This podcast is brought to you by Dentons, the world's largest law firm with a global team that builds agile, tailored solutions to meet the local, national, and global needs of private and public clients of any size in 183 locations serving 75 countries. Before we begin this podcast, please note that anything discussed or said on this podcast does not constitute legal advice. Welcome everyone to the Tax Insights Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Young. And today I wanted to talk about the legal topics around the TFSA. That's a tax-free savings account for investors in Canada. Joining me today from the Denton's Edmonton office is Gergay Hegedush, a member and lawyer of the tax group. Gergay, welcome. Thanks, Chris. So Gergay, I wanted to talk about a few things around the TFSA. And to kick off the conversation, Let's maybe chat about the legal requirements that investors should consider before adding money into their TFSA account. For sure. There's basically two major requirements that anyone has to meet in order to open a TFSA. First, they have to be 18 years of age. And secondly, they have to have a valid SIN number. Um, There's also a third requirement to have any contribution room and they have to be a resident of Canada. But if they're a non-resident of Canada, they can open a TFSA account uh, they just won't have any contribution room until they become a resident of Canada. And I'm assuming a lot of these legalities around the tax-free savings account is because it is tax-free. Um, so I'm assuming the government needed to put some restrictions on you know, how freely people were using this account. Yeah, I think that's right. I think they, they want people who are contributing to the Canadian tax system uh, to benefit from it. So I think that's why they've restricted it to residents of Canada. So with that, what are some of the mistakes or misunderstandings that you've encountered for people who invest through their TFSA and what are some things that they should avoid? So I think the biggest mistake people make is not knowing what their contribution limits are and making over contributions to their TFSA. And that can be quite damaging because the penalties for over contributing are are quite high, they they collect quite quickly because it's the rate is 1% per month of the excess contribution. So that's the main mistake people make is contributing too much to their TFSA because they don't know their uh, current contribution room. And the other thing is they make contributions while they're non-residents of Canada and uh, they're not allowed to do that because they don't have contribution room while they're non-residents of Canada. So I think those are the two main mistakes that people can make. A third issue that the CRA raises, not as commonly, but it does happen, is that sometimes taxpayers um, do frequent trading within their TFSA accounts, and the CRA can determine that they're basically operating as a business within their account, so they're not eligible for the benefits of the TFSA if they're carrying on a business in the account. Well, so that's interesting in terms of, so frequency of trading is often cited? They look at a number of factors. and. And it's determined on a case-by-case basis whether you're carrying on a business. And frequency of trading is one of the factors they'll look at. Like if you're day trading, then that's more likely that you're carrying on a business. Whereas if you just park your money in your TFSA and purchase long-term investments, then it's less likely the CRA will consider you to be carrying on a business in your, your account. That's interesting. And I know this is probably a broad definition of day trading, um, but... Can you give a sense to the audience, what is considered frequent trading? Like, are we, and as, as I said, I preface this with, I'm sure there's a lot of definitions around this, but 
Um, have you heard from CRA what they would pinpoint as day two? Is it like you're holding it for a day or a week? Like, has has there been any precedent set? I don't think there's any specific definition as to what constitutes day trading, but I think if they're buying it, you know, buying and selling on the same day or within a few days, within weeks, then, it, then it's more likely that they're going to look at that analysis of whether you're carrying on a business. Whereas if you're holding on to investments for years, then I think the risk is much, much smaller that they're, they're going to look at whether you're carrying on a business or not. So let's say you do make an error uh, and you realize that you've either over-contributed or, you know, you're, you're going against some of these rules set out uh, with the TFSA account. What, what's some of the things you should do to fix this? Well, I think the first thing you should do is try to correct that error. So if it's an over-contribution, you should withdraw that amount as soon as possible. And the reason for that is because, firstly, the taxes and potential penalties and interest that accrue uh, significantly add up if you leave the amount in. And secondly, uh, you might be eligible for some form of taxpayer relief if you remove the amount as soon as you learn of it. So that's that's why you want to address the issue as soon as possible. Now, I'm assuming some people still do get caught up in it, and there's cases definitely that we're reading about where even though they, you know, found out they made a mistake, they changed it, uh, the, there is still a reassessment and penalties and interest from the CRA. So in that situation, what can a Canadian investor do? So yeah, there's basically two avenues that a taxpayer can take. Firstly, they can challenge the assessment by filing a notice of objection. So if you think the, like, the CRA incorrectly assessed you on the basis that say you're a non-resident when you actually are a resident of Canada, or they incorrectly calculated the amount of tax then you can file a notice of objection, which challenges basically the basis of the assessment or the correctness of the assessment. The second avenue taxpayers have is requesting taxpayer relief from the CRA because the CRA has the discretion to waive or cancel all or part of the taxes, penalties, and interest. So that's a discretionary relief that the minister has, but they, they'll look at a number of factors. The first one is whether you made a reasonable error um, and the second factor is whether you basically corrected the mistake as soon as possible. So if you if you're an honest taxpayer who made an honest mistake then, and you corrected the mistake as soon as possible, then, then they're more likely to grant that kind of relief. So basically, those two two avenues of objection and taxpayer relief are what what, what taxpayers have the options they have to uh, to address the, the assessment. Yeah, so this is, you know, it's interesting because the concept of a tax-free savings account, I would say as an investor myself is quite positive, but I think uh, investor beware out there. There's a lot of nuances, rules behind it, and we just got to make sure that that you do follow that when you're investing in TFSA. Um, with that, Gerge, I do want to thank you for your time, uh, taking out of your busy schedule to join us for the podcast today. Um, if anybody has any questions, more about this topic and about the rules surrounding TFSA, I will put Gergay's contact information in the description below. Make sure you reach out to him and uh, ask him your questions. Thanks, Chris. It was my pleasure to be here. And I'll just note that uh, people can check their current TFSA dollar amounts, their contribution limits online on CRA's My Account website if they want to do so. Yeah, they definitely make it easy at least for you to know how much you do have in room. And with that, I would like to thank everybody for joining us and we will catch you guys next time.